Welcome to the Everyone's a Critic Movie Review Podcast. I'm your co-host, Bob Zarrell. With me, as always, is professional film critic, Sean Patrick. Visit us at IHateCritics.net, Everyone'sACriticPodcast.com. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Our handle is CriticsPod. Listen to us at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Alexa, all your podcatchers. Uh, subscribe to the show, write and review the show. We'll read your review on the air. Give us a five-star review, and uh, we will give you a Blu-ray, 4K, 4K Blu-ray version of a couple movies some studios have sent us. Uh, if you give us a five-star review, we'll read it on the air and do that for you as well. Apple Podcasts is the best place to do that. Uh, and then let us know when you do it, because we don't always see those, especially if you're from another country. Uh, Patreon.com slash CriticsPod is the best way to help support the podcast. I know I teased the Patreon episode last time we recorded. Uh, uh, it fell apart, but we do have another one in the works, so that will be coming your way hopefully very soon. Uh, but anyway, if you want to hear all those bonus episodes, Patreon.com slash CriticsPod is the best way to do that. You can also help us out a ton by doing that as well. We stream live on YouTube whenever we record. Uh, if you follow us on social media, we will send a link out when we do record. Uh, also, if you click on the bell to notify us, notify you when we go live uh, on YouTube, that will help as well. And then TeePublic is where our merch is at. If you go to IHateCritics.net, click on the TeePublic link or search CriticsPod at TeePublic.com. I apologize last week we had to not record. Uh, we just couldn't get our schedules to line up. Uh, but we are back with a kind of combine the two weeks together, sort of. Although nothing really came out this week. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, we are back this week. And thank you for your patience. Last week I released our 2015 episode of Jurassic World when uh, we all went and saw that and... Uh, listening back to that as I released it was very funny to hear me because if you long-time listeners of the show know that I definitely am not a big fan of fan service and mm -hmm. and historically Josh can is more forgiving of it especially when it's something uh, he likes well in this episode I'm defending the fan service of Jurassic World while Josh is tearing it apart uh, <laughs> and I think we just fast forward a few months and Force Awakens comes out and the tables turn. So it's fun to hear the difference. It's kind of like when you go and find your older views and then realize, oh, yeah. oh yeah, I like that. <laughs> it's, almost like, it's almost like listening to a different person. It was kind of interesting. It's a, a quick aside from that because it's very, because I thought it very funny. I went to, uh, I went to share some old Tom Hanks reviews today on Twitter and I'm like, because I'm, it's Tom Hanks. It's got a movie coming out this next week. And <laughs> I shared a couple of like, like both of them were were bad reviews. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's Larry Crowd in the terminal. Oh shit! <laughs> like those are the ones that I had ready. <laughs> I really do like Tom Hanks. Then I read my Catch Me If You Can review. I'm like, I was kind of critical of that one as well. <laughs> That's awesome. Not that <laughs> I'm rooting for you to be anti Tom Hanks, but <laughs> never. That will never happen. Ah. Uh. But anyway, uh, we are back this week, and we will be taking a look at the big movie that came out the last two weeks, Jurassic World Dominion. Yes, uh, directed by Colin Trevorrow. Uh, it's, a, uh, it's a disaster, beginning to end. This movie is uh, 
borderline unwatchable. Uh, the cast of the original Jurassic Park is back along with the new cast uh, with the the plot being centered upon essentially the kidnapping of the young girl who was the clone for some reason. I don't know. I don't care. Um, <laughs> she's not a bad young actress. She does her job well enough. It's just that Colin Trevorrow doesn't know what the hell he's doing. He does, he's not great at directing special effects. He's not giving himself anything of a story really to work with. So I'm not sure what drew him to this. Because uh, he really doesn't use the dinosaurs all that well. <laughs> I mean, there is a movie called Jurassic Park, and you've got all these amazing dinosaurs, and he creates this plot about a company that is using locusts to destroy crops. And it's like, that's great. And I know they're like dinosaur branded locusts or whatever, but like, I want to see a T Rex, man. <laughs> I want to see somebody get bit in half by a T Rex or something. I don't know. I want to see raptors, man. Uh, and he kind of sidelines the dinosaurs in a weird way. Because uh, and, and, he's so busy trying to cram these characters and, 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 the, and this plot into this story that he keeps forgetting that, oh, yeah, I've got these new dinosaur that's you know the most dangerous dinosaur in the world. And I've got that other dinosaur that was the most dangerous dinosaur in the world. I need to have them fight. But uh, I also can't kill any of the main cast. <laughs> They've all got main cast power. Spoiler alert. <laughs> all of them have that main cast, uh, you know, force field around them. And there's a lot <laughs> Which of Which is them. obvious from the, like the first 10 minutes in the movie. Like, honestly, there's, there's, I'd never for once felt a moment of like fear or excitement or worry for these characters. Not for a moment. They were never remotely. Chris Pratt crashes in a plane and I still was like, he's fine. <laughs> I, had no, I had no concern for him passing away whatsoever in a plane crash. <laughs> and then, you know, you got Bryce Dallas Howard hiding from a T-Rex in a lake as if that would work. <laughs> the most dangerous predator in the world that can't find somebody this like a half an inch deep in a lake because it's the most dangerous predator in the world. Give me a break. Oh, I hated this movie. I hated every second of it. I hated uh, the new, the old cast coming back. They just had just jack all to do. Uh, Goldblum is just doing the greatest hits. Neil and, and Dern are on autopilot. Uh, you know, Pratt and Howard are doing you know the best that they can, but there really isn't. There's just nothing here. Colin Trevorrow is just not a guy who could tell this story. Uh, I mean, his dinosaurs are rubbery. Uh, he does this scene early on where, like, uh, Chris Pratt and two guys are chasing dinosaurs on the on horseback. And, I mean, <laughs> it is so – it's terrible. It looked like CGI from 20 years ago. I mean, <laughs> the, the dinosaurs are so rubbery, and Chris Pratt is not connecting with them on the eye line in any way, as if, any, as if nobody made any effort to try and make sure that it looks like he could actually see dinosaurs around him. He's supposed to feel danger in this scene. Like there's a potential that these raptors or whatever he's chasing could turn on him and kill him, his horse and his guys. <laughs> you never get the for a sense, not for a second. Do you sense that he actually sees dinosaurs It's so pathetic? The whole movie is pathetic. Yeah, it, it's, it definitely was not made for us. 
<laughs> my 10-year-old loved it. I mean, as soon oh, yeah. as that Giga, That's the audience. Giga yeah. whatever, that big, huge dinosaur, he... He went lost his shit in the theater, like, oh my god, that's this, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> I've never even heard of that before. Uh, and you know, I going back to work and talking to people who saw it, and it was just like, okay, this was made from you. And someone was like, oh yeah, so and so said it was good. I'm like, so and so would say it was good. <laughs> uh, my wife was out of town uh, mm-hmm. when it was just me and my son, and. Uh, we went and saw it, and on the way home, I'm doing the voice command text, and I'm like, Jurassic World sucked. And then he yells out, Jurassic World was awesome. And it auto it got my right, Jurassic World sucked, but then it switched to Jessica, it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, after nearly 20 years of marriage, you thought my, I thought it was funny, so I went and sent it anyway. My wife did not think it was funny, even a little bit. And I'm like, really? You don't trust me even? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Who the fuck is Jessica Bob? <laughs> so I'm not kidding. And I'm like, literally, <laughs> your son yelled Jurassic World was awesome and it autocorrected. I thought it was funny. Sorry. <laughs> uh, and now my son keeps referring to my side chick, Jessica. And I'm like, you got to stop saying side chick. You're too young to be saying that. It's not proper. And he's not saying side piece. Yeah. <laughs> The thing kids know these days is insane. I know, right? Uh, but I guess for me, it's just like none of that matters. Everything you brought up doesn't matter because they don't care. It, it does, yeah. You know, I'm watching. I'm thinking this looks like the Coke commercials when like the first time they did the polar bears in the Super Bowl like 20 years ago, which was mm-hmm. cool at the time. Yeah. But and everybody's like, it's amazing. It's better than it's ever been. I'm like, oh, mate, I, I really I guess I, mean, I didn't pay that much attention. I didn't think so. <laughs> And then, like, all these other movies where you have other characters that are okay to die off so you can at least have a little bit of uh, suspense, they don't have any of those characters because they're all main characters in this movie. Mm-hmm. And they're the only seven characters in danger, really, because the rest are protected. Yet, mm-hmm. And they're, like, really more so in danger than any of these movies combined. Yet, you know, for not even a half a second, you is this movie have the balls to kill off Chris Pratt, you know? It doesn't yeah, even have the balls to kill off Sam Neill, but let alone the Chris Pratt or I mean, Bryce Howard. Goldblum has a moment where he's, like, trying to distract a, a T-Rex from killing everybody else and survives. <laughs> like, I mean, that, would, that wouldn't most, have been enough. The, <laughs> the most dangerous predator on the planet is bested by having, like, a branch, a fiery branch thrown at it, like... Yeah, and, it's and, so dangerous. And even if they gave it through us that bone, it wouldn't have been enough to save the movie no. for like super. But big. Hey, if, in fairness, they did kill the Barbasol can, <laughs> the famous Barbasol can yes. that everybody remembers from the first movie. That uh, shouldn't I? If you're talking about you know, if you want to be a pedantic ass about it, shouldn't even be in this movie considering where it ended up after the first movie. But right. nevertheless, uh, <laughs> they they had to show the Barbasol can. Because we're going to throw in anything you might vaguely recognize from the first movie. <laughs> I'm surprised. I'm surprised that uh, Campbell Scott, the bad guy, didn't have a picture of Wayne Knight on his desk. <laughs> like, just hey, you remember that guy? He was in the thing. And then hey, remember that music? That was in the thing that you liked. That's in the movie that you enjoyed, right? Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is greatest <laughs> hits without even like 
one new song like every <laughs> band likes to do when they're too lazy to make a whole album. They just want to release the greatest hits to put a new one on there. This doesn't even have the new song on it. It's <laughs> uh, it's as greatest hits as greatest hits gets. And I mean, clearly, and you're talking about a band that only had a few hits, right? <laughs> and this is their seventh greatest hits album. On top of that. They just re-release. It's the Walmart Essentials or whatever they call it. When they start, <laughs> only a handful of music fans get what I'm talking about. <laughs> but, Good uh, yeah, it, it is. It, it just it wasn't for me. I guess I look at it like it's like going on an old school roller coaster that you know you survived, and it's not exciting because it's old, and it just gives you a headache when you're done. <laughs> kind of where I was left at. I, I mean, I, I guess I could accept this as maybe a kid's movie, but I would, ho- I would ask more. I would ask more from a movie than this for my kids. Oh, uh, for sure. I mean, your kids deserve better than this. Your kids are, are still learning to reason and to, you know, assess things and learn what's good and what's not good or what they like and they don't like. This is a movie that's just, this is just brain candy. It's just, it's worthless. It, it's just the, it's a fucking candy bar that they're going to shit out the next day and forget about. And, the, you know, I would rather they have some nutrients of some sort. Right. And for my son, it's just, he's such a big dinosaur fan. It really doesn't matter what it was. I mean, he watches a stupid cartoon that goes with this. <laughs> he, he knows dinosaurs I've never even heard of. Uh, and At this point, they've made up so many dinosaurs, you can't tell right, which, which ones are real, which aren't. Yeah. yeah, he knows. He can tell you which ones are the real ones <laughs> and the fake ones. And yeah. then I, he was even like, I was like, so which ones are the hybrid? And he's like, well, they're all hybrids, Dad. I'm like, well, okay, fine, but which are the ones? <laughs> like, fair point. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's the adults so that love this movie. I, it's, I guess I'm not surprised because... Vin Diesel has a career, but uh, and not to shit on the Fast and Furious movies, but a lot of I love Fast and Furious. Uh, a lot of people just like to go. I recognize that. Yep, <laughs> there's, there's a great Simpsons uh, gag. I think it's a. Uh, I think it's Grandpa Simpson. Just it, he just watched the show that's just stuff that he kind of remembers. He goes, "I remember that," and he's just satisfied that he just saw something that he recognized. And that's basically what this movie is. It's just a series of things that you probably recognize. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's just not good. And, but you know, it's definitely not made for us, but we saw it. (laughs) We did. And it's almost two and a half hours long because everything blockbuster has to be almost three hours nowadays. I don't get it. Interminable, interminable. And it's a hit. It beat Lightyear. I mean, it, it, it you know, it, it, in its second week, it beat Lightyear, which is like, I didn't see Lightyear, but I, I assumed Pixar would have enough juice. Pixar Toy Story combo would have enough juice to get past a second week of Jurassic World, and it failed. It came up short. <sighs> yeah. Uh, there's a conspiracy theory, by the way, that uh, a theater manager was telling me about where uh, <laughs> basically the, he says the Disney put out Lightyear specifically right after Jurassic Park with the specific intent to see it underperform so that they could justify to shareholders moving all of Pixar's outputs to, to Disney Plus. 
Now, I don't say I'm not saying I buy into it, but (laughs) this did play out exactly as that theater manager said with Jurassic Park kind of killing Lightyear. Is Lightyear getting good reviews? Because I'll be honest, I didn't, I hadn't even heard of Lightyear until this movie came out and I saw the trailer before Jurassic World and I (laughs) I thought it looked fucking awful. It uh, it did all right. Yeah, it got a middling, kind of lower tier Pixar review. Okay. Well, it's a Toy Story spinoff, so it should. I'm kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm just getting away from animated movies for now. I just don't feel right going to animated movies anymore. I don't feel like I have the proper perspective on them anymore. Even Pixar, uh, you know, because I don't know. I, I probably should have stayed away from Jurassic World. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just so hard to avoid these movies right now, but. Uh-huh. I think that kind of picks up from here the rest of the show. <laughs> I hope enough. so. Uh, although I guess I'll get your opinion of the next one, and then we'll know for sure. The next movie is the new Adam Sandler film, Hustle. Hustle, yes, from Adam Sandler, starring Adam Sandler. And uh, I don't have the director's name. It's a first-time director. Uh, alongside uh, a basketball player, a real-life NBA guy, uh, Juancho Hernan Gomez, uh, plays a character who's a Spanish basketball player who... Sandler's character, as a Sandler plays a 76ers, uh, Philadelphia 76ers scout. He goes to Europe regularly to scout for players to try and find you know, the next Dirk Nowitzki or you know, the next great European player. Uh, while he's over there, he sees this guy playing basketball in, in construction boots and beating guys who are faster and should be you know, more, you know, more flashy and skillful. And he's just whooping their asses. He just keeps stealing the ball from them, putting it up knocking down shots from everywhere and it's like he's like found a unicorn like this perfect player but he can't convince ben foster the owner of the 76ers to bring the guy in so he brings him over on his own dime puts him up in a hotel and get tries to get him into the nba draft and along the way he teaches him you know more fundamental basketball you know the proper way to play basketball and this is a movie that takes its basketball very seriously. And I wonder, I'm starting to wonder if maybe this is the way to get to Adam Sandler, to get him to work, <laughs> put him with a basketball player. Because you know, Kevin Garnett was in Uncut Gems and he gave him the best performance of his career. And now here, you know, he gets to be, you know, in the NBA and he's giving another one of his better performances of his career. Uh, Sandler is really great in this. He's very focused. He's very determined. He's very engaged. Uh, I He's got an appropriate love interest. I thought him and Queen Latifah had all kinds of spark together as a married couple, which I, I just totally did not see her casting coming. That was great. That was really exciting uh, to see him with an appropriate love interest for once. Um, and it, it just it worked. Uh, the only thing that doesn't work is Ben Foster. I love Ben Foster. Ben Foster is an amazing character, amazing actor. And he's not bad in this movie. He's just done dirty by a script that feels the need to have this paper villain uh, inserted in there. He, he's constantly like twirling his mustache. <laughs> I hope he fails this time. <laughs> and he's just delighting in seeing this kid, you know, this 20 year old basketball player, you know, trip and fall or, you know, get beat on a breakaway. And it's like, why would you enjoy that? Like why? I know you're not, I know you don't like Sandler's character. I know that's, you know, you've got some beef with him, but like, why would, why would you want, somebody to just do badly just because what you've got a beef 
That's ridiculous. And it just, it's so over the top. It's so overplayed. It feels desperate. It feels like we need to have a villain to create drama when you already had great drama and the fact that this kid still has a lot to learn about basketball. And those sequences, especially those, those uh, montages of him doing fundamental basketball or that great uh, running up a hill bit that they do is really, that repeated bit was actually really exciting. He kept getting better and better and better. And I was really impressed by the just the way it was shot and the way it, you know, way it carried the story forward. It, they would insert that in again and again to show you the progress that he's making. And those incredible you know drills that they came up with for Sandler's character to teach him with were very visually exciting. And if you're a basketball fan, you're absolutely going to go nuts for it because it's fantastic. Uh, and yeah, Sandler's great. Queen Latifah's great. I, I hold the movie back a little bit because of the Ben Foster character, but I really do like this movie. Oh, yeah. Everything about it is great except for, I don't want to say the story because the story is good, but because you have to have that kind of man-made uh, complex or whatever. whatever it, it didn't. It was already naturally there, like you said, you mm-hmm. know, the, the conflict. And that it just it was almost a little too forced which which allowed the movie nowhere to go except for where it goes and you know it's going to go there so it it takes a little bit of that uh edge away from it but mm-hmm. which prevents it from you know being a rocky or whatever it, it just yeah. makes it a good movie instead the, but you're right the performances are fantastic and it takes a half a second to strip away the Adam Sandler from this movie because when you see Queen Latifah, you're like, that's not Kate Beckinsale. That's, you know. <laughs> but it works great here. It's just you have to you have to pause for a second and be like, oh yeah, this isn't Happy Gilmore. This isn't Click or whatever else. So, mm-hmm. uh, uh, but it really is fun to watch. You know, that's that's kind of the the great thing about it is it's uh it, it's got a watchability of. I don't want to say a Rocky Four, but it, it's just something more, almost like watching The Last Dance or whatever. You mm-hmm. know, it's something like that. I wouldn't, I, I could sit and watch this and go to sleep and just enjoy it because it's that much fun. It, it does kind of get you pumped up too. So if it's something you want it on in the background, you got the the drills. If you love basketball, it's a movie worth watching. It's oh, one absolutely of, one of the best basketball movies. I think. Period. Yeah, I mean there. Are- it's a it's a limited genre, so yeah, you're you're not wrong about that. Yeah, I mean it's better than blue chips. Uh, oh, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I'm not a big Hoosiers fan either, so no. And I, I'd have to go back and rewatch that. I have a feeling that would have the natural type of, or I I think that would lose some of the what I remember of it. Uh-huh. Uh, and yeah, outside of that, I can't think of much. I haven't really watched well, it the, the one where. Whoopi Goldberg was a was a co- was coaching the Knicks, or yeah, <laughs> the one where the guy's like a a ghost playing for his basketball team after right. he died. And then even like when Will Ferrell was on that run, having aw- great comedy after great comedy, semi pro, and then he does semi pro, yeah. <laughs> it just ruined everything he's done. <laughs> it's, he's never quite been the same since that movie. Yeah, uh, but yeah, this is definitely uh, worth watching. I think people will enjoy it and. Uh, I'm sure there's probably a basketball movie we're not thinking of that's probably you know a classic or whatever, but it, yeah, it doesn't come to mind immediately. So, right? <laughs> yeah, there's no. I can't think of a Bull Durham. <laughs> so, basketball now. Yeah, Hoop Dreams, the documentary. I, I didn't really yeah. like that. <laughs> basketball Michael's, Diaries. Uh, 
uh, Michael's uh, uh, "Come Fly with Me" documentary. <laughs> it's just yeah. just his him dunking for sixty five minutes. <laughs> it's the greatest basketball movie of all time. It's very watchable as well. <laughs> well, yeah, it definitely. Uh, it's good to see Sandler. You know, this point in his career, putting out some of the best things he's ever done. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah, good for him. I like to. I like him engaged. I wish he would stay this level of engaged in his performances. Absolutely. It's not like he's dour either. Like you, you, you could say that like uncut gems maybe was very intense and might not be for his, you know, typical audience, but he's very relaxed in this movie for the most part, aside from when he's coaching him, he gets, you know, intense and he gets pumped into it. But for the most part, he's not like sweaty, desperate uncut gems. Adam Sandler, this is an entirely different character. It has, it has humor to it. Uh, he's got, he's very, you know, he's very thoughtful and observant, but also, you know, very funny. Uh, uh, he's he's just got a, a lot of charisma to show off here, and and that makes it a much more of a, a mainstream uh, film in that way. Well, yeah, with Uncut Gems, it's more of him acting, and you can you know it's it's a good great performance. This is almost more of a passion project. It looks like I know he's a big basketball fan, so you can definitely see the him enjoying what he's doing, and there and it's being captured, unlike some of his other movies where you assume he's enjoying making these movies on vacation but they're too busy <laughs> doing other things on vacation that they don't capture it on the film. <laughs> uh, but here it's so all true. captured and I, I definitely recommend and, it. And he does a thing that, uh, you know, that really great actors do where he makes the people around him better. He takes this kid, uh, Juancho Hernan Gomez, who doesn't have any kind of acting experience. And it looks like Sandler really made him comfortable, made him, you know, more, you know, made him, happy and and kind of brought him brought him brought him in as an actor really brought him up his performance he's quite good in this and i i think a lot of the credit has to go to sandler to getting him to a place where he really is acting yeah that's the one thing that or not the one thing but i think it's really cool that for your level of hatred for some of his movies <laughs> i think it it's harder on him because you know what he's capable of than you are some of the other that's, people but that's the biggest issue yes i i know what he's capable of i felt that way ever since punch drunk love <laughs> yeah i saw what he was capable of and i'm like fuck you for not doing more of that no money in punch drunk love <laughs> <laughs> all right I think this is the only movie I haven't seen this week. Uh, oh, where did they go? Oh, here we go. Cha-Cha Real Smooth. So you didn't watch the best movie of the week. God damn it. Because I- <laughs> this is the best movie of the week. Uh, Cha-Cha Real Smooth uh, is uh, starring and directed by uh, Cooper Rafe alongside Dakota Johnson. It tells the story of a guy who just got out of college He's uh, looking to get into, he knows where he's going in terms of what he wants to do. But for the time being, he's having to settle in and work a menial job. And he finds something of a minor calling in being a party starter for uh, uh, Jewish youth parties. What do they call the bar mitzvahs uh, where he, he goes to a bar mitzvah with his little brother and he turns on the charm and gets everybody dancing and up and happy and, so people start inviting him to be part of their bar mitzvah, and he you know, comes and he starts the party, and he's, everybody loves him. Uh, at the first one, he meets Dakota Johnson, who has a, who's a, in her kind of mid-30s. She's got a young, much younger daughter who's about uh, 14 years old. She had her when she was about 14. She had her up when she was like 20 or 21. Very young mom. Um, 
and she's obviously like 12 or 13 years older than Cooper Rafe's character. So there's a bit of a, that's a big difference in terms of age wise. We don't think about it like it is, but it is. Uh, and so the romance kind of has that barrier there on top of which her daughter is autistic. So she spends a lot of time with her daughter and the daughter character is just so winning. She's just so lovely. She just, she never overacts it for a second. She feels just so natural. And so uh, she beautifully performs this, uh, this performance. It's really lovely. She's got these lovely little grace notes that she brings. She, her, the little character beats that they use her for really, uh, forward the story and forward everybody's story while they're doing it, which is really great. Um, it's also very funny. It's got some really big, big laughs. Some big unexpected stuff happens. The chemistry between Cooper Rafe and Dakota Johnson is amazing. Uh, they have like a really sexy chemistry, but then they've also both got like uh, things that are like holding them back you know they especially her she's about to get married to somebody else and she's kind of freaking out over the fact that you know the rest of her life is starting now and so that's kind of got her spiraling towards the idea of maybe i can sleep with this 22 year old guy uh and he's aware of that and trying to keep her from like yeah he wants her really bad but he also has to he wants to protect her from herself in a way uh, and you know, throwing her life away with him as much as he might want her to, and that's the conflict: his youth versus her kind of not midlife crisis, but you know, close to life crisis. And it's just, it's lovely from beginning to end. This movie is just uh, delightful. It's funny. It's romantic. It's sexy. Uh, it's surprising. I, I adore this movie. God, now you have me wondering what the rest of the show is going to be like. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'll I have to come back to this one. Yes, uh, absolutely. This is a must see. Good luck to you, Leo Grand. This is another terrific movie. Good. I really enjoyed this. I, say, I love Emma this Thompson. movie. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> how could this be better than, or how could that be better than this one? All right, good. <laughs> you had me nervous uh, there for a second. <laughs> Uh, it's this one stars Emma Thompson and Daryl McCormick in the story of uh, a woman who hires a sex worker uh, to uh, kind of uh, uh, explore her sexual fantasies. Uh, and she's very uh, naive sexually, even though she's 63 years old and she's not really had a lot of sexual experience outside of her husband, who was not a very sexually exploratory guy. She's got a lot of things that she wants to do, but she doesn't know how to ask for them or how to, you know, how she, She's going to feel about it. She also is unsure whether or not she's ever had an orgasm in her entire life at 63, which has got to be, you know, very, very emotional and makes sex even more emotional. And that that, that really plays in this movie. Uh, Daryl McCormick's character is so interesting. He's got so many different layers to him. I love the way that uh, you know she's eager to kind of share who she is and kind of use that as a, as her shield is just oversharing about her kids and her life uh, to kind of keep him, you know, uh, at bay for a little bit. Cause she's not sure how to ask what she, for what she wants. And he's wonderful at sort of deflecting her questions about him, both as a sort of a professional guideline, but also just to kind of keep from becoming too emotionally involved and uh, pushing those lines of where they're going to be, personally plus the sexual stuff that is going to happen and does happen throughout uh it's really smart the way they layer that throughout the entire story and 
how these two characters grow. The, even the even their conflict feels organic uh, at, near the end. It's really smartly put together. Emma Thompson is wonderful. A lot of people have called her you know, her nudity in this movie. They say it's brave or whatever. It's just part of the character. You know, it's just it's it's not it's not about being brave. It's just about this is what serves the character, and I'm sure that's the way she kind of approached it. Was this is what serves this character. This is what, you know, what this character needs to do. And I, she looks great. Uh, that's, you know, I, what else can you say? Uh, she, she's just, she's awesome. She's just, uh, she's an amazing actress. And she really, she makes that, she makes the nudity, not something that is special, but something that is important. It's necessary to her to be nude in that moment. Uh, it's a kind of a, a completion of a character journey in a way. And I, I really appreciated the way that they did that. Uh, just a, a fantastic movie. Sophie Hyde and Katie Brand are a wonderful combination of writer and director. They just did an amazing job putting these two characters in place and giving them beats to play and emotions to play. And uh, he really steps up. I mean, you're talking about a kid who's not had many roles before this, acting opposite an absolute legend who's one of the you know, the best in the business. And he really gets in there and he doesn't just hang with her. He's as good as she is, which is amazing. It's both a testament to how, how giving she is and how amazing she is as well. Yeah. I mean, this is one of my favorite roles with her in it, period. I I thought she was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, And he, like you said, he's right there with her the whole time. And in a lot of ways, having to, kind of be the alpha in the you know in controlling the scenes and it and he he holds up his end of the deal you know back to the nudity calling it brave is almost like you didn't watch the movie <laughs> right uh which is a frustrating thing mm-hmm. because it's like it you know it, basically you're getting at well she's 63 and she doesn't look like a 22 year old model anymore so it's brave that she would and that's <laughs> the polar opposite of what they're trying to accomplish with that scene and uh, it, it, and I've seen that too, and I just want to. Uh, it's just like pull your head out of your ass and watch the movie for what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is. It's one I've never seen the Beyond movies or whatever they're called, the, uh, but I assume there's something like this with a lot of talking and. Uh, I, yeah. I, I I just love the just the dialogue. It, it, you know, it's. Even if they never even went to the sex stuff, I was enjoying it. I mean, obviously, it's important for the movie to go there, mm-hmm. uh, but their chemistry cool. was fin- fantastic, and they everything they yeah. did was just. Uh, I couldn't wait to see what happened next, and in the conflict, like you said, organic. Uh, you felt for them, and the, it's almost like you wanted to cover your face because you didn't want to. You know, you kind of felt the shame that she was going through when he reacted the way he did, mm-hmm. and it was just so smart so well done so beautifully acted it's one of my favorite movies of the year i I absolutely love this movie yeah it really it really captures sort of the the uh gosh the way people really are versus you know kind of how you would imagine it you imagine a sex worker being somebody who is you know this magical being who can just take you to bed immediately and you don't have to do any talking and the reality of of it is is when it's even if it's a sex worker who's very you know experienced when you walk into the room with them and you're suddenly about to do it you're confronted with the idea of actually doing that as she is here uh you're going to talk to this person you're going to there's going to be nervousness there's going to this is so much more real 
skill than anything you've ever seen before because the the way she approaches it, the way he approaches it, he's been here so many times. It's amazing because he's so young, but he's been in this situation where he's with women like her and he's seen everything. He's not jaded about it. He's very kind and very patient. And really that kindness and patience is even sexier than than his rippled muscles. You know, like the way he's just so sweet and and just he's patient and he understands the the fr- the fear that she has and the nervousness that she has and they're dealing with each other on a very human level uh, as opposed to let's just put this thing into this thing and we're done oh yeah i mean and i i definitely related to her character more than his <laughs> uh and i mean it totally explains why i'm not like a strip club guy because that, that would be the like that i'd be the guy that'd be asking the questions like so why are you here do you really like doing this and, and then it would bother me if she didn't like doing it and and they would play me like a fiddle and they'd get all my money and it would suck and that's why i could never uh and that's or, or the, it's like or you get the the experience of yeah i love this i make a lot of money i feel really sexy this is really great why do you why do you think it's bad why would you think it's bad i'm like oh god i'm sorry i didn't mean to offend right you. Yeah, no matter. <laughs> I've had that exact experience. Right. Uh, so I don't. I don't ask strippers whether they not, they like doing that or not anymore. <laughs> I only go once a year, but it's it's always it's always that. I was going to have a very good time. Good. Yeah, I it's. I, I don't know, but I definitely I just she's one of those her and daniel day lewis so i know they're widely kind of considered two of the best ever and sometimes they drive me nuts when they or i guess it's more kate blanchett than emma thomas and i'm thinking of never mind uh (laughs) but you know she is so good in this and you know being a legend like she is it really is impressive you know how well he holds the screen uh Uh I, i just i can't say that enough it's on hulu now I absolutely think everybody should go and see. I guess it's not, you know, the Jurassic World Dominion audience probably will be like, why do you like these talkie movies? <laughs> uh, and it, that is what it is. But if you're listening to this podcast, you love movies and you like per- great performances. And this is, this is just, you know, if you like watching great acting, this is great acting. Uh, and mm-hmm. it, it's worth it. There's just nothing she can't do. I mean, really, there's just nothing she can't do. She is in Harry Potter. Uh, she's in Sense and Sensibility. She's in any, I mean, just anything. She she writes, she directs. There is nothing that she does poorly. It's it's amazing. And, and this character, you you think about her in context. This character and her character from the late night a couple of years ago, which is kind of along the lines of Meryl Streep in The Devil Wears Prada. Like, it's just, how does somebody contain that kind of multitudes, you know? Right. It's amazing. And then she's Nanny McPhee. <laughs> I was like, what the hell? She's amazing. I mean, it, it, the the way she disappears into this role, too, you know, mm. more so than, you know, I, obviously Meryl Streep's the one everybody goes back to, but, you know, she's kind of stands out more and more because she's Meryl Streep. <laughs> Emma Thompson's right there with her as is Kate Blanchett, but totally disappears. And like, it's not, you, you don't feel like you're watching Emma Thompson. You feel like you're watching this person and, you know, these two people interacting with one another, you, you kind of get lost in the fact that you're watching a movie. Uh, and, yeah. and it's just, it's such a, 
just such a trip and i i can't recommend it enough and if at the end of it you're going oh my god she's so brave then i'm like come on watch pay attention don't <laughs> even my wife when we it's, so, it's it, so dismissive it's so dismissive well even my wife at the end was like you think that's really her i'm like well, no it has to be her it wouldn't or the whole point of the movie would be gone mm-hmm. so i mean and i i get that's human nature and that's part of why this movie exists but uh i don't know i i I love the message behind it on as top on top of everything else that goes with it. Uh, I just absolutely love it. Yeah, absolutely. We're right there with you. Worm. W-Y-R-M. Worm. <laughs> yes. Worm is the name of a main of the main character in in this movie. It's a very strange universe and at the same time it's a very you know easy to understand universe because it is in many ways a very typical teen romance except that in this universe there's one thing that they use this they they have these things around their neck and they stay around your neck until you have your first kiss uh this in this universe they sort of track your sexual awakening you, you know how how you reach every level it is part of graduating from school is having graduating to the next level of maturity is having your first kiss and then it kind of levels up from there uh, so they can monitor your progress in that. Uh, that's sort of a sci-fi conceit, I guess, in some ways. It's like a minor sci-fi conceit because we don't have that in real life. But uh, it, it it is not really the main point of this movie, which is about just this weird little kid who's uh, looking for his first kiss. Really, he's one of the last people to to get his first kiss. And you know, he's got this twin sister who has had her first kiss, and she's really begun to change. They used to be very, very close. Now they're not very close. And uh, that's really been very hard for him. He's also just lost an older brother who probably wasn't very close to, but you know, he lost a family member. So he's making these tapes of people talking about how great his brother was, even though maybe his brother wasn't all that great. Um, there's so many wonderful, unique, and funny and strange layers to this movie that I really, I really liked it. I didn't love it. I think there's, I think there's some things that hold it back, but. For the most part, this is really a, a kind of an impressively odd movie that kind of goes really hand in hand with our classic. Oh, absolutely! In a lot of ways, the oddness of it it kind of put like puts a ceiling on how good it can be. I guess almost mm-hmm. gimmicky, uh, mm-hmm. but it, it's surprisingly dark with <laughs> what the subject. At least from the watching the trailer, you're thinking what it's going to be, and uh, it, it's just really just uh, again a dark movie about you know a brother and a sister more or less and that i i did enjoy the journey of how it got to where it, it got and uh, i thought it was an easy watch mm-hmm. uh again I, I i'm with you it's i i won't call it great i might even forget about it by the end of the year unless they're sort I'm of reminded but there's sort of a Napoleon Dynamite like obtuseness to it. You know, like you, you can appreciate it, but you can't get inside of it. You know, it's a, uh, that's kind right. of the feel of it. It, it. The oddity is is so imposing that it, you don't really f- connect with it on an emotional level. I don't connect with Napoleon Dynamite on any emotional level. Right. I find it entertaining, but not. It's not in a movie I can invest in emotionally, and so I don't really carry it forward. And I won't carry this movie forward. Uh, but I did. I did appreciate. Uh, I, I love the aesthetic of it. I thought it was a very original looking movie. Uh, it re- really captures its own feel. It also, it's a, it's a period piece. It looks like it's set in the 80s, but then it has this weird 
<laughs> futuristic sci-fi conceit about the, right. the neck thing. Uh, so it, it's, I love the, I love the oddity of it. And, and, but again, it's that obtuseness, that sort of, uh, off-putting uh, weirdness kind of it goes so far in that direction that there's really no emotional anchor for it yeah that's a good way of putting it I, I I enjoyed watching it and watching where the characters went but there was no relating to it at all <laughs> it was just like I'm watching stuff like you know with Leo Grant I could I could definitely relate with her character but here I'm just mm-hmm. watching characters and, and it works for that but it definitely has a limit of how much I'm gonna like it yeah uh, welcome to the Dollhouse. Welcome to the Dollhouse, 1995, uh, directed by Todd Solans, the second feature, starring Heather Matarazzo as the wonderful character Don Wiener, who is a uh, junior high school kid who is a very much an outcast. She's very much made fun of, uh, very much othered, even at at school and at home. Uh, to the point where she doesn't even really look like her parents or her siblings in any way. Like that's the level of how far they push her to the outside is even keeping her out of her own family in many ways. Uh, a lot of this, you know, is about how high school and school in general just kind of sucks. Also how, you know, middle child syndrome, you know, where the middle child always feels like the one that's completely ignored, you know, cause you've got the successful older child, the older brother is on his way to college and is in a band and doing all these things the younger child who's just you know the youngest and adorable and a ballerina and she's completely in every way an outcast and uh this movie wonderfully plays how much of an outcast she is because she's so innocent and so naive that she really doesn't even see herself as alienated she doesn't understand what that means yet uh she's coming to she's going to understand that in the future how alienated she is how divided she is uh and it's going to probably carry with forward with her the rest of her life and I find that to be so wonderfully insightful of Salance to and Heather Matarazzo really to craft this character and tell the story the way they do because it's not, it's an internal journey you're, you're basically seeing the the evolution or the growing evolution the beginning of an evolution of a person who they're going to be one day uh, based upon you know the the life experience they have and and that sort of outsized quality the sort of uh, broadness of the way that she's presented, the way the other characters are presented as just being a little weird, plays almost like she's remembering what her childhood was like, and it's you know, it's in a way it's relating her childhood almost through a memory in some ways. And I, I find it very strange that there are people who don't like Dawn Wiener as a character. They, I read a lot of things from back in the day, talking about how unattractive she is, and it just blows my fucking mind. How dare you assess the attractiveness of a 12-year-old girl? What is wrong with you? You've got to be seriously messed up. And I realize 1995 is 27 years ago, and it's a different time. But it it is never okay to put adult standards of attractiveness on a 12-year-old child. And I am shocked at the number of of, uh, my critical brethren at the time who were assessing just how unattractive she is and making that part of the the narrative of this movie. She's adorable, by the way. She's absolutely fucking adorable in this movie. And I fucking loved her the whole way through. Uh, I thought she was a wonderful character. I I felt for her. I was I I wanted somebody to just, you know, be nice to her for just a minute, you know, just give her some kind of kindness. And I loved how resilient she was cuz again, she never no matter what happens to her Brendan Sexton's character threatens to rape her 
and she's just so either naive or just able to just take that in and just kind of play it off for what it is. Uh, or even you know, part of her wants to give into it just because she wants somebody to be nice to her, which is a very sad quality, but it's not a pathetic quality. And that's another thing is like they, people call her pathetic. She's not pathetic. She's 12. She's only now figuring out who she is. You've got to give this person, this child, the chance to figure out who she is amidst all of this alienation. And I just, I'm frustrated by the way people react to this movie. Uh, in many ways, I just think she's a wonderful character. I absolutely adore her, and I want nothing but great things for her. And yet, at the same time, in my heart, I know that there's more pain coming. There's more heartache coming. There's more otherness coming. There's more alienation coming in her future. And that's that's sad, but it's also wonderful that Todd Solons could capture that feeling so wonderfully, that, that internal journey so well implied into the future. It's It's an incredible movie. Oh yeah, absolutely. But it's part of me that, you know, knowing people who are kind of weird and quirky at that age and, and they don't know it and they don't know that they're an outsider or whatever. And then you almost, and sometimes they grow up and they never care. And like mm-hmm. part of me who wants to take this movie safely wants to apply that into this movie. Like, well, she's going to be fine because she, it doesn't matter that she's an outsider and I'm, the way, she, you know, I, and I want her to feel like that forever, <laughs> you know? Mm, and, yeah. uh, so there's definitely a defense mechanism I have. I, I apply to this movie, uh, that prevents me from truly, you know, taking on what, you know, the angle you're taking from it is it's only going to get worse from here. <laughs> I don't know if it's, I know, but you know what worse. I mean? You know, yeah. I, I, I'm wording that poorly, but, <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it is, you know, you know, and back to your the criticism of her. I mean, it. I find. I mean, even watching when you have to criticize a child. Period. You know, you, even when, usually it's because they're not. They have to play an uninteresting role, or they don't have the charisma. And that's hard to even say out loud because you feel bad talking about a kid that way. Mm-hmm. Let alone to go and talk about an appearance. Uh, yeah. But interesting is the most important part, and you know that's the. You know, she's the furthest thing from uninteresting. You know? <laughs> that's very true, and that's what's important for you know really any character, not just kids. Ooh. But uh, that's a a great quality in a character to be interesting, and I, I don't get that criticism at all. I mean, I barely think it's okay to apply that logic to adults when you know, in, in terms of attractiveness, when you're judging their performance. You know, uh, that's that's so funny. Uh, so, of course, we've talked about my my backlog of reviews and i was posting a review of red riding hood uh, starring amanda seyfried and uh, in it i'm describing her like i'm david boardwell describing nicole kidman and like i got these flowery terms describing it it's a very horny review and i was very embarrassed reading it (laughs) i mean it's not so much that like i think if unless you're looking for it or unless you know me like i know myself I don't know if oh, anybody yeah. else would see it as much. Like you probably, most people probably just see it as kind of, well, that's, that's a, a word play, you know, to describe who she is. And he, he definitely finds her attractive, but in my head, I'm like looking at it going, Oh my God, this is super horny. <laughs> well, I mean, and that's, you know, I don't want to keep going back to Leo grand, but the whole point of her taking a robot at the end is, 
you know, what she sees in her head of herself is, you know, we all are our toughest critics. And so we know we see every little flaw and everything we've ever done. That's why I hate looking at Facebook memories because <laughs> the pops up and I said something. I'm like, oh, my God, it's almost like watching somebody totally different or even listening to the podcast from 2015 that we released last week. Uh, cool. You know, it's cool to get to that level of acceptance, at least that character in that movie. Uh, that's what's so neat about that performance but anyway that's back to welcome to the dollhouse you know it's it's back to what i like about the movies that aren't jurassic world you know every movie this Mm -hmm. week including the adam sandler one is very unique it doesn't look like there's a studio saying oh you got to do this i mean the adam sandler does struggle because they have the paper you know the the villain uh, and if you take that out, he actually have a phenomenal movie uh, that you can put up there with any sports movie. Uh, but other than that, you know, all these movies are very original, very, you know, just you got to see the director's vision or the writer's vision or the actor's vision come to the screen and just work so well. And that's what's so great about this movie is, you know, especially back then when there were more blockbusters and more, it was harder to get that. I mean, there were the indie movies, but. I don't want to say it's harder because obviously he had mm. a lot going on, but I don't know. It was, I, I, I like the originality of it. I like everything about it without anything being cookie cutter, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just a breath, breath of fresh air on a week where you have to sit through Jurassic world. <laughs> Indeed. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and yeah, Todd Solant is such an interesting director he's been referred to as being very dark and very cynical and he is in many ways like storytelling is a very uh dark and cynical movie it's very creepy in many ways but i i think that was a wrong tag for this movie i really think people need to reframe how they watch this movie yes there i mean the 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 thing about brendan sexton's character saying i'm going to rape you or whatever you know the stuff he says there and you know the use of certain words that are certainly not words you could use today uh, certainly does have a dark undertone to it, and the way she's treated or mistreated uh, definitely has a uh, has a dark edge to it. But but really, truly, you're you're missing this character. You're missing her. You're missing her spirit. You're missing her resilience, her naivety, and her innocence is just so sweet. And Matarazzo, she just captures it so beautifully, just taking in every moment. You can see her learning about this person as if she were this person uh and and you know just bringing those things into her imagination and putting this character together and she's 12 years old doing that she's incredible yeah i definitely recommend checking this out if you haven't before i'd never seen it up until now i recognize the poster from the video stores growing up but i never actually took the time to watch it till this week and i'm glad i did uh just really nice original movie that's holds up very well probably more so today than it probably did at the time maybe that's part of maybe that's part of it too i don't know Hmm. uh but i definitely think you should all go see it it's weird though i'm saying like a lot of a lot of people love this movie it was one of those indie darlings and i just think you loved it for the wrong reason (laughs) oh it's (laughs) they loved it for the wrong reason i mean back to the cape or the uh, emma thompson movie where it's yeah they're loving it for the wrong reasons (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. She's so brave. Uh, watch the movie. <laughs> and pay attention this time. This is really not complicated. 
speaking of not complicated, uh, <laughs> this is the hard part because I like this movie because I was a kid when I watched it, and this is one of the Ooh. first big events for me. We're talking about Batman Returns, widely considered one of the worst ones. Uh, I, mean, I guess Joel Schumacher took it to another level. Anyway, it was kind of the first time I remember a huge event, uh-huh. uh, you know, where I was like, I remember seeing Batman, but I was still too young to fully, truly appreciate it. Here I'm 12, 13 years old, and I'm starting to really get excited about things. And this was, I remember the commercials, I remember McDonald's, I remember everything. And uh, because of that, I hold a lot of nostalgia for it, and I just like it, but I know it's not good. Uh, yeah, I'm not a fan. Uh, and mostly, I think, I think mostly it's Danny DeVito. I think they took that character in the entirely wrong direction. Uh, just making him so gross as to just, I couldn't even look at it. He makes me sick. I can't, I get like seasick watching him. He's just so disgusting. You know, there's the scene where he eats the fish heads. They're just, just biting into fish and tearing them off. But then you got him walking around in his, long johns and they're dirty and he's got this scraggly hair and it's like he's just grotesque and it just takes away from every scene that he's in uh just making him so grotesque it's so unnecessary uh it really it's not funny it's not entertaining uh it's eye-catching i guess but it's just so gross that it really just kind of ruins everything around it's like having spoiled milk in your cereal like he's just spoiled milk is what he is. Um, whereas Michelle Pfeiffer is, is incredible. I mean, she's so sexy in that outfit. She's so amazing. And those eyes and the, that, that awesome scene where she just comes flipping out of the, out of the, out of the, you know, the store, just doing flip after flip after flip. And she stops in front of him and just goes, meow. And then the big explosion. That's great. That's a great one. I love that. I love that. It would be great if Penguin were in that scene, but it was great nevertheless, <laughs> even with him there. <laughs> and Keaton is so, you know, he's so in Batman at this point. You know, he's so there with the character. He's really feeling it. And so there's so many good things about it. And then just everything to do with Penguin for right down to the, to the, to use of Penguins, it is big scheme and whatnot. Just anything he does is just bad. And I hate saying that because I love Danny DeVito, but this is really this is really Tim Burton's fault. Tim Dirt Tim Burton just really just did not. I, I, I'm sure he really hated the TV show apparently because he why he would choose to do this to to this character. Not saying that he had to play it like Burgess Meredith did. I'm not saying that there had to be a better way to do it than this though. Just to make him so disgusting, like a horror movie villain, is just so unnecessary to me. Yeah, it's I, I get what they're trying to do and. Uh, I mean, obviously, it works for me. I mean, he's a bad guy, so uh, cool. I mean, I shouldn't say it works for me. I don't watch it anymore, and I know if I watched it, I wouldn't like it. Uh, cool. But as a kid, uh, it worked for me. Uh, I know they're trying to make it as realistic as possible for 1992, 1989, when the first one came out. Uh, we're still not there where it's you know Christopher Nolan doing it and try to even be even more realistic with it. Uh, more so than the 60s Batman. So I get what you're going for, but, you know, you also, this movie's overcrowded. You got three bad guys in the same movie. And Christopher Walken. <laughs> well, that's what I meant. Yeah, Christopher Walken, Michelle Pfeiffer, <laughs> and Dan DeVito. Yeah. All in the same movie. Uh, and, you know, and then watching Val Kilmer's documentary and 
his opinion of Batman, which then makes sense why Michael Keaton left. Uh, you don't really get to do anything. You're just there to service all the people around you. And because Danny DeVito doesn't have, you know, Joker's a much cooler character. It definitely is a step down in that end of things. And, uh, but for whatever reason, I have good memories of it, and I don't want to ruin Ooh. that. <laughs> so I'm not going to watch it again. Uh, but I will also, by the same token, always have a thing for Michelle Pfeiffer, no matter what. Every time she does a movie, I'll be like, I don't care if she's 70 years old. I'll be like, she's hot. <laughs> and that's not necessarily appropriate either, but it's just, you know, childhood hormones that don't leave you. Uh, the character's intended to be sexy. She's playing the character sexy. So, I mean, but I'm applying that to everything she's done since yeah. then, and I will. I mean, <laughs> okay, I, yeah. And I was quick to go back and watch everything she did when I was 16 and 17 and, you know, wanted to like Scarface so much. <laughs> uh, she's still the best thing about it. I don't care. She's so good. She's so good. She, you know, she even made What Lies Beneath, like, mm-hmm. one of the more memorable movies of all time just because she's so she's so amazing in it and that movie's terrible <laughs> she's so good at it though absolutely and white oleander is a movie that people should see uh and one of these weeks we got to make um uh her scorsese movie with uh her and malkovich and glenn close okay no that's not the one that's not scorsese the, the there's one that's with him it's it's her and she's directed by Scorsese. I can't remember the title of it, I, but we need to make it a classic for sure. Absolutely. Any chance? I mean, I think she's one of the more underrated, largely due to the not, fact that she was kind of a. <laughs> it's not dangerous single. liaisons. That's what I was thinking of, but it's it's oh, not yeah, that absolutely. one. I don't think. Went back and watched I don't that. Remember one the too. title? Mm, it's killing me. Well, I can share the screen. We can pull up an IMDb real quick. Hold on. <laughs> Let's see here. There, there we go. That's my Twitter page. Are <laughs> you at home? IMDB. Who that is? Oops, that's not a search bar. Where is my? Tw- there we go. Michelle. Where can my internet go? Michelle Monahan pops up before Michelle Pfeiffer. Come on. <laughs> what Lies Beneath is her biggest movie, apparently. Big hit. Uh, not many people remember it, but it was a big hit. All right. Change the way I have to do All right. She was directed by Scorsese, you said? Yeah, this would be back in the 80s, though. 80s, 90s, I guess. Early 90s. Frankie Age of John, Innocence. Age of Innocence. Age of Innocence, I think that's the one, yeah. Oh, Daniel Day-Lewis, right? Yep. There it is. Yeah, her and Daniel Day-Lewis and uh, Winona Ryder. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now, this is one I didn't go back and watch, but if you notice, it's PG, so that's probably why my teenage brain didn't go back and watch it. Uh, I hate myself sometimes. All right. Uh, so next week I will not be on the show, but Sean does have a show lined up for you. So what can we expect next week, or is it a surprise? 
We've got uh, the classic is going to be cruising in honor of, uh, I don't know if it's in honor of pride. Uh, Jeff picked it <laughs> and said it was an honor of pride. I've not seen cruising in a long time. I don't know how necessarily <laughs> pride friendly that movie is, but I trust Jeff that he's, you know, knows that. So, um, and we also got uh, we've got Elvis, the new uh, Baz Luhrmann movie. Thank God uh, we've got uh, the Black Phone with uh, Ethan Hawke, which is getting some pretty strong buzz so far. Uh, and uh, I'm going to see the re-releases of both. I've seen the re-release of uh, the uh, um, <clears throat> the Discreet Charm of the Bourgeoisie, which is a 1972 Luis Buñuel movie, which I've got a review up already on Twitter at podcast Sean. Uh, and I've got, uh, I'm going to see Lost Highway, which is also being re-released. So I'm going to take a look at that one, and we're going to talk about that movie next week as well. Like the... the Lynch, lo- the David Lynch oh, movie. Wow, that actually got a re-release. Okay. Can't wait to listen to that episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, one, I like your guess, and two, I'm very curious on Lost Highway again, because it's been a while since I watched that as well, and... I didn't like it when I saw it it. back in the late nineties. Yeah. (laughs) I wanted to like it. I really did. Uh, but I could not get into it. Much Uh, like, uh, what was it? Eraserhead. I still am not a fan of Eraserhead. I get why people think it's amazing, but I don't, (laughs) I think it's unwatchable, (laughs) but then elephant man is amazing. So, you know, Lynch is a great director. I appreciate him as an artist uh and yeah. sometimes he thinks differently mulholland right. drive great movie don't a know wild at heart about. great movie right <laughs> all right well before we go to flick chart i want to say go to patreon.com slash critics pod help support the podcast get yourself a bonus episode and if you would like to get a 4k blu-ray uh from sean who we where he got him from the studios uh, give us a five-star review, and we'll read them on the air at Apple Podcasts. Also, let us know you did that. And let's move on to our flick chart, and let's do Easy Rider versus What Happens in Vegas. Uh, it is, uh, shit, I don't know. They're both garbage. <laughs> I guess Easy Rider. Yeah. <laughs> I, need to re- I need to reread my What Happens in Vegas review. I hope I didn't like it. <laughs> Yeah, Easy Rider is one of those movies where I wanted to like it so bad because you heard mm-hmm. it mentioned in the same breath as you know Godfather and all these other classic movies, and it was just like so far up its own ass. They're just driving. <laughs> <laughs> but no, they stopped to get stoned a couple of times. That is true. <laughs> uh, West Side Story, twenty twenty one, The Magnificent Seven, nineteen sixty. It's a West Side Story for me. I haven't seen it, so I'll just let you have it. I do. The Magnificent Seven was more though, like blockbuster western, more so than good western. Mm-hmm. Naked Gun, two and a half. The Princess Bride. Princess Bride. Agreed. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh my gosh! What the hell? <laughs> That's fucked. I don't think we've ever had this movie on <laughs> on flick chart before. Never. Uh, I almost should save it, but uh, Lost Highway or League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. 
it's lost highway because League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is somehow worse than what I remember. <laughs> lost Highway. What? Again, it's back to Lost Highway. At least something original. It's trying yeah. for something. When the League of Extraordinary mm. Gentlemen is a cash grab or attempted a cash Absolutely. grab, failed miserably. Failed to yes. attempt at it. Uh, um, never seen Avalanche Express. <laughs> no. Uh, Last of the Mohicans, Miracle on 34th Street. I think Miracle on 34th Street is shorter, so I'll go with that one. Uh, that's <laughs> definitely where I'd go to. Last of the Mohicans, just look. I need to watch it. I need to watch it. It's just when I saw it as a kid, it was such homework. It, li- it was literally pure- was homework for me. <laughs> exactly. I was assigned to, uh, like a, as a project in one of my history classes, and I uh, War for the Planet of the Apes, Patient 17. Never heard of Patient 17. Neither have I. Bolt or War of the Planet of the Apes. War for the Planet of the Apes. Such a great movie. Red Dawn, 84. Blade Runner, 82. Blade Runner. <laughs> I had a funny experience today about Blade Runner. I was watching this, these guys do uh, they do a wrestling news show on YouTube. And uh, Dave Batista had a piece about him. Batista got a tattoo. And they're like, I wonder what that tattoo is. I don't know what that means. Like, why is there a unicorn? And it looks like it's made of paper or something. And like, that's the unicorn from Blade Runner. <laughs> the origami unicorn from Blade Runner. Felt so old watching that. Oh, my God. <laughs> no idea what it meant. <laughs> and they're like, both of them are like 25, 26, 27 years old. <sighs> Wow. I mean, if it makes you feel better, my son's taking drum lessons and uh, he want, he went to his drum teacher kind of wanting to learn the intro to walk this way and he was like, never heard of it. What is that? Oh. <laughs> like, great. This kid's a great drummer in the area and he's like, walk this way. Yeah. I never heard of that song. <laughs> oh, the Run DMC thing? Oh. No, oh, he didn't, right that didn't happen. That didn't happen. Oh. <laughs> that would have been right in your heart right there. Uh, yeah, but it was just kind of like, Really? Everybody knows that. Oh, maybe not. <laughs> not anymore, apparently. Uh, the Santa Claus 2 Iron Man. I love Santa Claus 2, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> Iron Man is my pick. Yeah. Scarface Broken Flowers. Broken Flowers. Absolutely. Friday the 13th, Part 2, 1917. Oh, 1917. Yeah, 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 that's that's the one. <laughs> it's a much better movie. Yeah, that's a real movie. Took me a while to remember which one it was. Yeah, Annie, Rosemary's Baby. Rosemary's Baby. Enough said. Uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, Airplane Two, the sequel. Much as I love Cloudy with a Chance, I I can't get enough of Airplane. It's just it's pure nostalgia for me. That is my. Uh, one of my favorite movies in my childhood. I'll never forget. I'll never forget either of the airplane movies. I had them both on Laserdisc. I watched <laughs> them over and over again. Just endlessly entertaining. Yeah. Me as well. The whole 10 yards of the hangover. Hangover. Yes. Life of Brian. Stand by me. Life of Brian. Yeah. The 7% Solution? No. Sherlock Holmes, but I've never seen it. The Presidio Frankenstein. Frankenstein by a lot. Yes. 
Along came Spider, the Queen. The Queen is amazing. One of the, one of the great movies of the early 2000s. Never seen it, and I should. The Amazing Spider-Man, Memento. Memento, absolutely. An amazing film as well. Absolutely. Empire of the Sun, nine. Mm. <laughs> I mean, nine is pretty... Eh. It's impressive as a technical thing. It's not very connective emotionally. Empire of the Sun is homework. <laughs> it's just pure fucking homework. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's like, it comes back to shorter. Yeah. <laughs> Which one? Nine is shorter, so it's yeah. good. <laughs> It'll be over faster. Captain America, the Winter Soldier, Air Force One. Get off my plane! No, uh, it's, a, it's Winter Soldier. It's Winter Soldier. <laughs> I know, but it's I, all I could think of was like it's something to, to wrestle with is you're doing your Bruce Pritchard now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got to the point of the show where you got to say this. Say it, Bruce. <laughs> Where's my girl? That's going to come up against Lost Highway later. <laughs> Cowboys and Aliens, Lake Placid. Lake Placid. It's a bad movie, but it's less disappointing than Cowboys and Aliens. Yeah. I like to pretend like Cowboys and Aliens doesn't exist. Adventure in Babysitting, Serenity. Serenity. Sure, I don't, I don't remember that one that well, but that's fine. Uh, Seven Psychopaths, Pat Garrett, and Billy the Kid. Seven Psychopaths. Great movie. Oh, yeah. It's a lot of fun to watch. The Fifth Ooh. Element, Melinda and Melinda. That's tough. That is a tough one. I really like both of those movies. Um, there might be one less sex past in Fifth Element, so let's go there. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Panic Room, Multiplicity. I'd never seen Melinda Melinda, so that's why I didn't vote. <laughs> it's a Woody Allen movie. <laughs> ah. Oh, yeah. That's, we know for a fact. Yeah, yeah, never mind. I, don't even, I didn't even look at the cast, but I, I imagine there might be other sex posts. Gotcha. And then you got to deal with Luke. You can really do that a lot with a lot of 90s movies. You pick the one that has the least, <laughs> the least number of sex offenders in it. Oh, man. <laughs> sad that that's... <laughs> <laughs> like more real than it. Every day it gets more real. Yeah. <sighs> oh. Panic or multiplicity. So I don't hate Panic Room. It's definitely like Fincher's least, but Fincher's least is better than other people's most. Multiplicity is like kind of a sitcom, more than a movie. I mean, it's Keaton's really good, really yeah. good in it. He's what makes that movie even work. Uh, that said, I mean, I still, I don't quote it, but if people did, I'd know what movie they're talking about. <laughs> Especially the Pat, pizza Steve line, multiplicity, uh, Panic Room. Again, like you said, it's lesser Fincher, but it's also better than most people <laughs> and Fincher's probably my favorite director so I, I really don't know yeah it's, that's really tough nostalgia I think we to... probably leads me to multiplicity honestly so let's go ahead and let's go there it. oh you yeah. want to go there yeah let's go there because I don't hate multiplicity I just it's a sitcom compared to a movie 
<laughs> compared to a Fincher movie. <laughs> Speaking of movies, this is the Barbaric Beast of Boggy Hill Part Two a movie? I've never seen though. <laughs> I've never even heard of it. I think I think I might have seen the. You just picked it. <laughs> what did I pick it over? I forgot already. Man, you could go to undo. Can I? There's an undo oh, on the I've left never hand even side. Noticed that? You could have told me that weeks ago. <laughs> oh, I think they were Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> antebellum. And we'll dumber. still go with Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> oh, yeah. Antebellum was terrible. Terrible. Fighting oh. with My Family Incredibles 2. Fighting with My Family, actually, is, I think, better than Incredibles 2. But I didn't love Incredibles 2. No. I, I didn't even love, really, The Incredibles, honestly. I like it. I think it's good. But there's elements of it that really hold me back on The Incredibles. I really liked Fighting with My Family a lot. People will get mad at me because I'll rank like cars and cars too higher than the Incredibles in my list. Yeah, I don't. I'm one of the few who doesn't hate cars too. I, I don't hate cars too. I don't either, but I also, that was, my son was a big cars kid, so it was easy to, I don't know, it was on all the time, so I didn't hate it. <laughs> Hunger Games, Dukes of Hazard with Jessica Simpson. Hunger Games. Absolutely. Date movie machete. For fuck's sake. Good God. You want to shit on my head or do you want to piss on me? Which one Which one do you prefer? Which, which one's machete? <laughs> <laughs> that would be pissing on you. Because uh, date movie is pure shit. That's less embarrassing than shitting. Yeah, let's go with that one. <laughs> I don't love we'll Machete. In fact, in a lot of ways, it's more disappointing <laughs> because I want it to be so good, but uh, it just kind of is. Uh, Vegas Vacation or Kiss the Girls? Kiss the Girls. Yeah. Just for the competence of Morgan Freeman and Ashley Judd. Mom and Dad Save the World, Psycho. Psycho. Yes, The Big Trail, 1930. No, I'm not seeing that one. Kiki's Delivery Service or Doctor Strange? I've not seen Kiki either, honestly. I want to. I need to see it. The new guy, Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange. I've never seen Saving Your Choice. I've never seen a Doctor Strange movie, just movies with him in it. <laughs> the Queen, America's Sweetheart. The Queen, absolutely. Split, American Wedding. I like American Wedding a lot, but it's split for me. Absolutely. Even as F. Night Shyamalan does everything he can to ruin it. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, it doesn't get much worse than Glass. Mm. Uh, two movies I don't care about. Uh, Dinosaur, Look Who's Talking to. Like the worst Pixar movie versus Look Who's Talking to. I'll take the worst Pixar movie. <laughs> uh, Grave of the Fireflies? That's a lovely film. Or the Royal Tenenbaums. Uh, I'll take Royal Tenenbaums. That's more my speed. But yeah, lo- lo- Grave of the Fireflies is beautiful. Interstellar, Inner Space. Interstellar for me. I don't like Inner Space either, so I'm fine with that. I thought we'd flip on that one. <laughs> no, if it was like assassins, I might flip. <laughs> Freddy got fingered or assassins. I honestly don't know which way to go. 
this is kind of a Batman uh, Returns kind of thing for me, which I'm sure Assassins is terrible. Is that <laughs> but, Assassins is unwatchable? Yeah, it, I was such so a big Stallone fan that I would watch and make myself like everything. Uh, Whereas, you know, Freddy Got Figured is just is is awful in every possible conceivable way. At the same time, I still don't know if he intended it or not. Like, is this is this just a wonderful prank that he played on the entire world, or did he is he just legitimately untalented? I still don't know, and that makes that far more interesting to me than Assassins. Yeah, I don't think it's fair to flip it. Fair enough. <laughs> but uh, I'll still flip just to be nice. Do, do you think Tom Green was incompetent, or do you think he was like this? Is he's just giving everyone the middle finger? I I think there's a gray area in between. Uh, it's just I don't so think weird. he cared. I don't think he's incompetent, but mm-hmm. I don't think he was punk rock enough to flip everybody off. I just don't think. I That's thought, reasonable. I think he got off on being. It's almost like flipping people off, but I think he like almost got off on not being funny to the point where it was funny for some. Yeah, if that there's makes a definite, sense. there's a like kind of an anti humor, yeah, anti humor right. before anti humor was right, cool. like kind of inspired by Kaufman, but yeah. not quite that talented. <laughs> <laughs> not, it's not, it's not quite Neil Hamburger, <laughs> right, and a little bit ahead of his time because then Johnny yeah. Knoxville comes in and does it better, yeah, a little bit later, so. I get. I don't know. Well, well, well pointed. <laughs> the most analysis on Freddy Cut Figure <laughs> on any podcast ever. Probably not true. Uh, what happens in Vegas? Leading lady. I've never seen Leading Lady. Neither have I. What happens in Vegas? Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters, obviously. I can't pronounce that. <laughs> yeah, I don't. <laughs> The Born Legacy, Iron Man three, Iron Man three. Yeah, I really like Iron Man three. It gets better for me, honestly. Well, it it's, and again, the director doesn't come without his problems. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I do like his movies. Uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bangs, one of the oh. most watchable movies I've ever seen. I love watching that, and then the one he did with the nice guys, the nice guys as well. And I, I, you know, I know Iron Man three turned people off. But it, it's basically Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is Iron Man, and I fucking love that. Uh, That's great. So he made it for you and I, but not the Marvel Universe, and I'll, I'll, I can appreciate that. Yeah. Sweeney Todd, Mickey Blue Eyes. Sweeney Todd, fuck Mickey Blue Eyes. I hate that fucking movie. Is that the one where he gets it by a car right away? Or is that I don't else? remember. I want to forget, honestly. I don't think it is. The Avengers, Bright Young Things. I don't know if I've seen Bright Young Things. It sounds familiar, but it, I don't. It's not ringing a bell for me, really. The Avengers, The Color of Money. The Avengers, nineteen ninety-eight. And I know the other movie's called Just Avengers, but nevertheless, this is the Uma Thurman Ray Fines one. So I can explain why Fine I'm going to pick Color of Money. <laughs> it's an audio medium. What would you have taken <laughs> if it was if Avengers? It, if it was Avengers, I would. I might take Avengers. Yeah, I like Color of Money, but I'm a big fan of Avengers. So, what about the? Hustler? I might have taken it. But I, I would have had to think about it for a little bit. Yeah, Cape Fear, Strangers on a Train. 
strangers on a train. If this has been the original Cape Fear, it might be a little closer. Right. Bench warmers, open water. Open water. Absolutely. No, I wasn't thinking about that one at all. <laughs> I did not pause to think about it. Like open pause water was always good that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, open Water, I think, is an underrated horror movie. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the Golden Child Sneakers. I was, like, legit, like, covering my eyes and chewing my fingernails during Open Water. Oh, yeah. <laughs> really tapped into something deep in, in my soul in that one. Well, I always thought Open Water, what, what, when Gravity, when that came out, I was like, is this Open Water in space? Like, <laughs> I was fully prepared as Sandra Bullock just floating away for two hours, and I would have been terrified. Uh, it ended up not being that. It was fantastic. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but uh, that would have scared the crap out of me. And open water definitely did that. <laughs> Which is interesting because that's an idea we have for a uh, a Patreon bonus show: the movies that that scarred you in the past. And I think open water would be a good choice for that one. Honestly. And that's one of the ones I haven't talked about as much compared to some of the other horror movies that I have. But yeah, absolutely. Uh want to be done <laughs> all right fair enough <laughs> i'm just not motivated by the golden shelter sneakers <laughs> i hear that all right have fun next week i can't wait to hear it yep all right i'll bye. be ready bye